Welcome to the Wealth Edit Podcast, a place where talking about finances is only polite. We talk to women and hear the stories behind how they've built their beautiful lives, whether that be inside or outside the home. Join us every week as we talk ambition, determination, and success with some of the most interesting, powerful women in the Southeast and beyond. We've got Ella Chase and Michelle Langdon from Wealth Works, and we are super excited to have y'all. I don't know if everybody saw uh, yesterday where they took over our Instagram and did a fantastic job. Um, y'all really did do a great intro to what Wealth Works is and how you work with women, but just as a little bit of background. So, Ella and Michelle created Wealth Works, which is um, you do group and individual coaching. Uh, for women, and they cover everything from self-advocacy to um, like gaining more confidence and helping women figure out what their next steps are, which we probably all of us on call can um, relate to on some level in our lives where we needed to work through where it was, how we wanted to spend our time and our resources. And so I'm excited today to talk about advocating for yourself and building our own confidence in that. And so welcome guys. And thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. We're so glad you're here. Well, tell us just a little bit about WealthWorks, how the idea came up, um, how y'all decided to partner together, all those things. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about y'all's background as well. Yeah. Cool. Should I start with a fun story, Ella? Yeah, yeah. I always start with a fun story. Um, Ella and I actually met. This is like one of our favorite stories to tell. We met in a smoky cafe in Bolivia in 2016. Um, and what was really fun about the story is we had both joined a travel like entrepreneurial think tank program. And two months into the program, we sit down to dinner in this smoky cafe and we start talking and we discover that we grew up 20 miles apart and never knew each other, um, that we had both been at different universities in Boston at the same time, um, that our families had um, lake house properties in the same area of the Finger Lakes in New York. And so we had all of these um, synchronistic connections um, that we discovered in this place. And then, you know, what we really came to discover as we bonded over our different but similar family and family wealth and business backgrounds. Um, And, you know, for me, that looks like a family business was like the backdrop to my life that my uncle and my father had started. And Ella comes from like a multi-generational family enterprise and family office background over many years. And so we got to connect on all of the opportunities and privileges that wealth can provide, but also the complexities and the challenges that they also bring to the table, whether it's attempting to create a space on your own to build your own wealth or, or it's navigating the expectations and the successes that came before you. Um, and really in particular, um, we bonded over being a woman within these bigger patriarchal systems and um, the the confidence and the voice that we were able to build and how that was often challenged um, or challenging to develop over time. So that's the origin story of WealthWorks. And, you know, as you said, that we brought that together to start serving 
women um, across a variety of angles, but really in the sense of building leadership and developing the clarity for themselves on what they want to take forward as their purpose and the confidence and the voice to make that happen. Um, recognizing that wealth is one important ingredient and not the only ingredient to a really meaningful life. But maybe I'll kick it to Ella to tell a little bit about her actual background and, and, and herself, and then I can do a little bit more of. Uh, you're so much more interesting than I am. Um, <laughs> what, what would, let's see. I uh, spent a lot of time as an athlete growing up. So I developed a lot of my own self-worth and confidence through sports which is different than a lot of my female cousins who are lovingly Trustafarian babies, but not really doing anything with their lives. And that was very upsetting for me. Um, and then in my corporate life after college, I decided I didn't want to stay where I grew up. I needed to get out, like find my own way, get away from people who knew who I was, try to really make it on my own as it were, so to speak. So I spent, um, about a decade doing uh, disaster recovery and business continuity consulting for a fortune 100 company. So I basically spent my entire time like putting out fires all the time. And that chaos was uh, somewhat wearing. But what I found out when I would sit at these boardrooms with the executives of these giant corporations, one, I was the only woman in the room, two, I was the only woman under at that point, 30 in the room. Um, and how do you actually stand confidently, advocate for yourself, listen? But these guys had no idea what was going on any more than in my own family. And so that was both disheartening, but also really eye-opening that we can actually make a huge shift in our generation and change the rules of the game because it is not well uh, executed in the macro space and certainly not in the uh, publicly traded company. Place. So I think I'm going to pause there before I launch into a diatribe about that. <laughs> well, it's so true. And what an interesting perspective too, to have had the opportunity to be in those rooms and see that happening and then be able to create a program to work with women. So, because it is so effective when you've been there yourself, you know, and then to be able to coach these women through that very situation and then also, also on different levels because we're not all sitting at the board in a boardroom but we all need those skills in our, our personal and our professional jobs so how does working how do how do you work with your clients is it group settings individual do you, how do you work with them uh, we love working with people in multiple ways we started out working one-on-one, -on -one. we really wanted to take a human and like focus on where she was at, where does she need clarity on what her path is, where does she need to like build confidence in order to like stand for that, even if um, like the family or your um, community doesn't necessarily believe in what you particularly wanna do. It might break social modes, social graces, historical context, or be something they just don't understand and therefore, the um, other generations or people around you might not be as supportive if you wanted. So creating that space um, and then really helping women understand how to communicate such that they could be 
uh, understood about this new path that they wanted to take and bring people together into community and the community component it was really fun because we hadn't seen this necessarily coming but we're now branching out to work with small groups of four to six women at a time to run through similar types of curriculum but in the group setting you really get a feel for what other people are going through you can issue process together you can lean on somebody in the community that you'd never ordinarily meet because they're from all over um, america to really help you get the courage and the confidence to like step out and try something that makes your heart sing yes that's so awesome and that's that's what we've come to find out with the wealth edit too that like women women are just kind of built for community we do so well in it we really thrive and we um we have our new wealth pods which i think hopefully most of y'all have attended one of those meetings over the last couple of days but it's really putting those people together who may not know each other who may know each other who you know just can meaningfully connect about a subject that's important wealth or what else is going on in their lives and we just find that we learn the best from one another and everyone brings something really special and unique to the table which is really fun so um i apologize for the zoo that is the background in my house so if you hear dogs that's the they're mine so anyway well tell us about i'm going to kind of switch gears for a second and talk about money and identity um because you kind of touched on that before that like a lot of your cousins were maybe um not i don't want to put words in your mouth but like just kind of enjoying maybe wealth but perhaps without a little bit of purpose so tell tell us how a lot of our um, members are building businesses that hopefully will be the companies of the next generation and what do you think the kind of secret sauce is for people um connecting purpose and wealth from generation to generation. Yeah, what, I, what we see from the inheritor component, and then I'll uh, let Michelle talk about the wealth creator component, which I love that you brought that up because it's, we are at such a precipice of opportunity to create in, even in this wild 2020, like so much creation can happen. But it's, it's more um, people not, women not having been condition to like ask for what they want and being told by um, the typically puritanical upbringing of how the U.S. came to be that like wait your turn, um, stay small, wait till you're chosen, don't speak until you're heard, and don't defy expectations, be pretty, be but don't be too much for too many people. And so I think that whole component gets packaged into how women are supposed to then launch into society but if no one's told them what they can be and they're just supposed to um wait until they're chosen and then have children and live happily ever after that that's very different than the way the 21st century woman and we're all living right now it's a great idea for a hundred years ago and that's not the only option if you choose it great but let it be a choice not just the only thing that you thought could happen mm -hmm. I think just to um, like put a, a pin on a piece of the conversation, one of the, the challenges that um, we find with clients that come from wealth is that they don't 
they don't recognize that since wealth is the thing that most people are looking to achieve, once you've satisfied it, you have to find purpose to get to fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't need money, you need a purpose and purpose is often connected to doing in the work in the world that brings you wealth. And then, you know, on the wealth creator side, um, I think women have to get really comfortable with standing up and like asking for what they need, which is why we focus on self-advocacy a lot. Um, and one of the really surprising statistics that we keep sharing and want to spread the word everywhere is that over the course of a women's lifetime, in the big picture, women are leaving one and a half million dollars on the table. And this is because men are four times more likely to ask for a raise than women. And when women do ask, they request 30% less than men do. And like the only gap between women taking action on that is actually just knowing that that's true. Recognizing that we, um, that, oh, okay, a man might ask for a raise in this situation, maybe I should do that too. And then working on the confidence to do that. But I think a lot of the time we don't know what we don't know and we're lost in our head and the assumptions of what it might look like or what people might think or why it's not the right time to go and ask for the sale, to go and start the business, to go ask for the raise. And I think that's why these types of communities and having these conversations can be really enlightening and empowering um, to see what else is going on out there that's not the typical kind of cultural messages that we've been fed. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that so much because um, when, you know, I had a, a career prior to my husband dying, then I took a few years off and then I decided, okay, I want to do something very different than what I have been doing. You know, it was really took some time to find that purpose. And, you know, thankfully I felt like I was getting closer to it, still wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, began interviewing for jobs and, you know, I had done the work to figure out how much I needed to make just like based on facts. I mean, like this was, here's my budget, here's where I am and I need to make this much. And I had done my research. I knew like as an attorney, I could expect a certain range, you know, I wasn't going to ask for something that didn't make sense, but I had done the research and, you know, going into those interviews armed with that information um, was really interesting because I, I didn't even realize what I was doing until I got into those interviews and, but there, the, the males, and it was always with a male. I don't know why in my situation, it just every single one of these conversations was with at least one male. And when they asked me what I wanted to make, I answered them with a very specific number and why it was that number. And every time I was offered that number or more. And it was interesting and intriguing to me because, you know, I was for the first time in my life, in a position where I really did have to make that much money. You know, it was different than before when we had two incomes and me going to work was sort of like icing on the cake. Whereas in this situation, I'm like, this is what I have to make um, to support myself and my girls. And so, you know, I came in there with a confidence and it was very interesting, the response. So how do y'all talk to the women that you're coaching? Like, what are the steps that you lay out to help them think through that because mine was sort of like accidentally arrived upon, but now I'm like, Oh, I want everybody to know this because it was so well received, you know? 
So where do you start? Because that's where I like sometimes try to articulate it. And I'm like, I think I'm rambling, but I know y'all probably have a good step up <laughs> process for it. Um, I want to acknowledge you first, because what you did is not something that's uh, intuitive for everybody mm -hmm. on the telephone to actually figure out what the positions might range in to research what your budget is like a lot of people don't even know how much money they spend so how are they possibly supposed to know what there's they need to ask for in order to be in a position of um confidence within their profession and within their financial life which is what you all are helping people do but understanding uh to your question understanding the landscape like what do a ton of informational interviewing if this is specific to a job and figure out one do i actually care about this like what am i going after is it the fact that i just need a salary if so what is that um what's important beyond the money we often think that because a resume or a job description has the qualifications and then a an amount that like that's what we're signing up for but if 2020 has taught us anything with COVID, what else are you interested in? Do you want remote workspace? Do you want more vacation time? What's important about the healthcare plan? Do they have employee stock matching? Do they have a 401k? Like there's so many things that go into the actual value of what's in a career. Get schooled up on what is actually possible so you know what you wanna ask for. We know plenty of women who could give a flying about the extra $5,000, but want an extra two weeks of vacation to be home with their kids over the summer. Like know what it is that you want going in. And then uh, when you're actually in the room, having that information allows you to be confident, be confident because you've done the research. So you can sit there and say, and they're perfectly capable to say, no, thank you, or that's not a good fit. But it's not personal, it's not about you, it's about the role and the job. So how do you create a little distance between the thing you're applying for and like who you are as a person? Mm -hmm. I really love that and it's it's so funny. We And to kind of ha do as much homework as you can, so when we were creating the wealth edit, this is a funny little thing, um, it has to be an outside business activity from, uh, from our primary, um, responsibilities at Somerset, which is our private wealth management firm. <laughs> so when I went to apply to get this wealth, the wealth as an outside business activity, they're like, no, you know, and then I said, well, why'd you give it to those two guys in New York, you know, or whatever. It and it's like, I already knew that it was a possibility. And so it was just so funny to like, so even a no, don't like just take no because yeah. the first person told you no like if you know that it's a possibility then advocate for yourself through that like the worst they can say after you push is no again well then you've heard it right. twice like you're still standing you know it just is one of those things that it's it's worth it if you're really passionate about something the way that emily and i were passionate about you know advocating to create the wealth edit and um it, when you have that focus, then it, it makes the no's so much easier because you know what you're trying to get to, which is a yes. So, and it does feel a little awkward if you haven't done it a lot before. Um, but anyway, I just, I love that. So, so good. I wanted to add two quick things to that point too. The other thing that we think is really important is not just to like, talk in terms of dollars and cents and like what the market's doing and what you need, but being able to, and I think Emily, you've said this, like articulate why 
you're worth that money. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a piece that can be missing and that, that we find with the clients that we work with that women are really um, not comfortable yet answering the question like, what am I great at? What value do I bring to this organization? And so getting answers to that question is also really important in this process. And um, when it comes to asking for raises, I was just talking to a client about this yesterday, so I want to say it here. We hear all the time that women feel like they owe something to their mm -hmm. employer. And in this case, it was like, she's being paid for part-time, but working more than full-time and asking to be paid her worth. But the thing that she's saying now is, well, if I ask for it and I'm not sure that I'm going to stick around forever because I might want to do a transition, is it like, is it wrong to get it and then leave a few months from now? And my definitive answer was like, you don't owe them anything. In fact, like they owe you for the time that you've been working that you didn't get paid for. And so we hear this kind of sentiment a lot, like, oh, I don't want to, I feel like I owe them a favor or they're doing me a favor. In a lot of ways, the work and the money, despite these people being like community and colleagues, like it's a business transaction for them. And I think it will be helpful in the terms of salary and negotiations for women to see it as a business transaction as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my soapbox for the day, but I love that. I think when I was like advocating for myself there, it was it was an interesting position for me to be in. Like I said, because it really was not personal, and it almost wasn't about my worth at that point. I was like, "This is what I need to make." Yeah. I like, would you like me to pull out my spreadsheet? You know, and it was, but for some reason, it was so much easier for me when I took that personal out. I mean, you know, I mean, there definitely was that component, and I was definitely self conscious about it. But at the same time, the non-personal part of it was kind of overriding it in my situation. So I was like, hey, um, the, you know, this is, this is what it is. But um, we think about that a lot too, if we want to take this out of the business realm, if you just want to drop in for a second to the um, like heteronormative dating scene where like men know they have to ask 10 women to get like one <laughs> woman to say yes. Like, why aren't we doing the same thing for our lives? Like they don't take the nine no's personally. They wait till the 10th yes. And they're like, okay, that's where I'm going. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's great. I have a junior high daughter. I might need to use that on her. <laughs> 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 that's a, a great way to put that. Um, one of the things, Michelle, that you were just talking about is like knowing your value and being able to articulate what you can bring to the table. And I've heard y'all mention several times, and you mentioned it on the Instagram takeover yesterday, the superhero exercise that you walk your clients through. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, this is a part of like the curriculum that we've developed for our RISE program. That's a small group coaching program, but the pieces or the components of it are a series of questions that help you start to answer. And it's a sim like some of it is as simple as what are you great at and what are your superpowers? And what we find and the catch is, is that um, the second part of that exercise is we make women go out and ask three people in their life particularly people in their um, work life, um, what, like what their superpowers are, what they're great at. And um, we get a lot of women coming back to us saying like, oh, well, I was told I'm a great listener or I'm a great communicator, but like, is that like, I don't know, like, is that 
so great or like they, they discount what they're hearing and mm -hmm. and one of the things that we want to change the narrative on is um how important skills that rest often in the emotional intelligence landscape and also in the feminine energy landscape actually are to being a great leader and they are somewhat often discounted because they come more naturally to women than they do to men and there are less women in leadership roles. So you don't see these really important skills emulated and nevertheless, they are superpowers that you can use to help you get ahead. And so um, starting to think in the realm of like, what am I really great at? What do I hear from people that I'm good at? Um, where can I look back at my life, at the successes that I, I've had and draw connections? And then where can I kind of get what I don't necessarily know myself, but other people might see in me by actively asking people are a couple of the steps that, that you know, anyone even like here on the call could go out and take. And, and these are clearly linked to developing the confidence, whether it's to go out and take a new action or ask for something new or, um, yeah, or simply just to feel more clear on who you are in the world and what you're good at. I love that. I think the feminine leadership component, I had the privilege of sitting on um, through an exercise with Ella and Michelle that they were doing for a larger group of women that I thought was so good. And they break us off into smaller groups of people that didn't know each other. And um, again, for the first like one second, you feel a little awkward, a little self-conscious, all the things that you're feeling and you aren't saying because you're trying to be polite. And then once you push through that, and the question I believe was, and I might get it wrong, so y'all correct me, but like, if you were going to get, you know, to get a, up for a job and you were to, they were to ask you, why should they hire you? And then they ask for feedback from the other person with whom you were paired. And I just loved that exercise in general because it made me think on my feet, which I haven't had to do in a long time. Unfortunately, I need to, to hone that skill. And they also, it also made me talk about something that I felt like was good about me, which again, as women, we sort of hesitate there. And then also be vulnerable and receive feedback on how I presented to someone who is a complete and total stranger. Um, some of y'all might be like, can I get off the call right now? Like, this sounds <laughs> terrible. Um, but it really is so impactful. And I was so glad. It was one of those moments that was like, wow, I can't believe that this is something that I got to do. And one of the feedback points was the like femininity and in, um, in my leadership style. And I wonder if you could talk about, because we don't see it emulated very much, um, the value of like bringing feminine leadership to an organization. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, you, we see this in um, like the big picture diversity statistics. I'm not going to be able to like quote them, but you go out and do any like look at um, rewards or um, returns or, or processes within big companies of having women in leadership roles and you see um, 
that there is a demonstrable difference when diversity is present, not just diversity between men and women, but diversity among um, different cultures, ethnicities, races, et cetera. And so I think there is big picture value that happens when there's a diverse decision-making process happening. Um, but more importantly, like every leadership book in the world will tell you that there are a bunch of different components from confidence and directiveness and executive presence to emotional intelligence that are key to making good decisions and to being a good leader. And I think what, what um, we know to be true is that a lot of the feminine traits that sit, and just to clarify, because I think people sometimes get this wrong, masculine and feminine energy is not specifically like gendered seems mm -hmm. that way because of the naming, but everyone has both masculine and feminine energies within them. Feminine energies are things like listening, receiving, using your intuition, having empathy. Um, and I think why it's so important is because without those tools, um, you, you start to get... Um, you know, a conversation where people aren't able to react to what's actually happening in the room. There's no understanding of what's like on the other side of a dish of a decision. There's no um, connection to how the decision might impact different cultures or different people. And so um, really raising the connection between um, as women, we have some benefits to having a little bit more innately these emotional intelligence and feminine energy traits. Um, the when we can explore them, develop them and articulate them, we'll be able to um, make the case for leadership in a way that um, hasn't necessarily been done before, but needs like the world desperately needs now. Mm. That is so interesting. I've never really thought about that. That, you know, it, our feminine qualities sometimes just seem like, you know, well, that's not really interesting. That's not something unique. Yeah. You're around women all the time. And then when you enter that, the business world, it really is unique just because of the simple fact that there are just not that many women there yeah. in leadership doing it. That's really fascinating. Yeah, it's like what the patriarchy has told us that like you need to have these things to get ahead. When in reality, there are many ways to be a leader and to get ahead, but we've just valued a few of them right. because they've been kind of at the top for so long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, we've already been talking 30 minutes. I can't It seems like one minute. <laughs> I just looked at my class, I was like, oh, goodness. Um, we, if anybody has any questions, you can use the chat feature or unmute your line. And um, well, while we wait and see if anybody has any questions, can you, I know y'all have a lot of really great resources that are free online. Can you tell people how they can learn more about you? Sure. Ella, do you want to do it or you want me to? Uh, fine. I'll give it a go. Um, <laughs> One, you can move in with me. So the commune is available. Come on down. <laughs> Let's create our community virtually and uh, socially distanced. But uh, you can come follow us at W-E-L-L-T-H, WealthWorks, because we believe that uh, life is more than just money. It's one indicator of success. Um, and then we, in our bio there, we've got a free self-advocacy audit. So feel free to download and see where you could be advocating more for yourself. Um, drop in 
you can feel free to email me if you guys want to send out that out after the call. But we really just love the Wealth Edit and Emily and Lauren and Ryan and the team for holding spaces for women to get together and talk about things that we don't ordinarily make time for because until we talk about it, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Well, thank y'all so much. This has been, oh, wait, here, we might have something. Oh, this is just a good word from Ivy. I love your emphasis on knowing your value and being able to articulate it and taking personal stock of strength. Um, and then here's a question. Any advice for asking knowing your worth when you are the ones starting the business versus asking for a wage? Uh, Jessica, who are we at? Are we asking investors? Are we asking, uh, like, what, what's the audience here? That's a good question. Um, she'll get in. And while she's responding again, it says, Ashley says, this has been fantastic and right on time with my current work situation. Good, Ashley. I'm so glad you, you came today. That's awesome. Uh, while we're waiting for Jessica, it, 2020 has been really quite something where I think we have women coming to us who would never ordinarily inquire because it's, it's a wake-up call. You decide yeah. that you're not willing to settle anymore, that you need to shake something up, that you're looking to do something differently. And uh, we just encourage everyone to get it as authentically aligned as you can in any way we can support that. We're happy to. Yeah. Do you see, are you able to see this? Um, she, Jessica says, yeah. customers, I feel bad asking for a price that seems reasonable, but may be perceived as too much. It's a good way. Michelle, that's exactly the conversation you were having uh, on money messaging. Do you want to talk about that one or you want me to? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the first piece that I was um, thinking about before you specified, I just want to say this out loud, is that um, one of the ways that as business owners, we can really um, stay true to what can be a tumultuous time when you're starting off a business and things are confusing is to make sure you're really clear on the why of your business and the value of what you're providing to who you serve. Um, because that's the thing that's going to keep you clear on sticking with it despite the ups and downs that inevitably happen within starting your own business and entrepreneurship. Um, and then as it relates to the, like the, how you set your prices, how you um, navigate the feelings and the worries around what people will pay for, or how they're going to perceive you is to um, really connect deeply to the idea that what you're providing solves a problem for someone. Mm -hmm. um, and once you're clear about the value of solving that problem for someone, you can um, shift your mindset from like, I'm asking for something that they may not be able to pay to I'm clear and confident that what I'm offering is going to solve a problem that someone is willing to pay for. Mm -hmm. And I think that mindset shift helps you get out of worrying about how you're perceived or what's too much and allows the right customers who need that problem solved to come to you and be willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything else, Ella, you would say in that realm, but. Um, I mean, I could talk to Jessica about this for a long time, so that's fine. <laughs> 
um, just knowing that like money is the way people show gratitude for things in this economy. So the more that you charge, the more gratitude that you're So if you think about it as fuel for that versus something someone's giving up, it's a, it shifts the perspective as well. I love that, Ella. We have this story that Emily and I tell about when we were first launching and um, our marketing person was like, well, you need to give it away for free because then people will forget that they subscribe. And I was like, we're definitely not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, we totally fell out because I was like, I really want people who are here who have decided to become a member of this community, which does come at, at a at a, I, we think a small cost, then, you know, like we want them to be engaged and we want this to be an active decision that like they're taking this step to learn more about wealth and what that could mean for them and attaching that with purpose. And it just, it was almost like this freeing moment where I was like, no, this has a value and we're not going to try to trick people into it. It's like going to be very clear what it is. And we hope that the right people find us. And I guess that's on us to try to put ourselves out there in a way that also makes you feel vulnerable that people could find you and, um, and join us. So I know, um, I, I just appreciate so much the work that y'all are doing and, and helping women kind of find that voice. And so thank you for spending a little bit of your time with us today. Yes. Thank you, thank you so much for, having, Thanks for having us. We love yeah. what you're up to and what you're doing. Happy to be together at any point. And thanks it's to really everyone. Thank yeah. Have a Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you want to learn more about our website, please check us out at www.wealthedit.com. The Wealth Edit is an online membership-based community for women looking to confidently discuss and expand their knowledge of personal finance. Our community provides a space for women of all ages to gather, learn, and plan their financial journey through virtual courses, weekly guest speakers, and educational content.